Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I am David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I was doing really, really good. <laughs> Not so long ago. Mm-hmm. But that was clearly, that was that was one of the most embittering losses for the Edmonton Oilers of the season. You know, it's often said, like, if, at the end of the year, they don't make the playoffs and they're looking back at the season. They'll they'll look, you know, what will they remember? Well, this game might stand out, Bruce. Up by a goal, hard-fought comeback up by a goal, probably in a game where you really don't deserve to be there. You've been outplayed. Your goalies really played well, aside from one bad goal against. But your goalies played a number and made a number of great saves. And you give up to a, to a team that, the fan base hates. I hate the Dallas Stars. I think most Oilers fans hate the Dallas Stars. We have memories of playoff series pass that just stick in our craw with that mm-hmm. team. So to lose to that team, it's just really frustrating, Bruce. That was a frustrating loss. How are you doing? Uh, I'm frustrated. Um. <laughs> I'm going to be biting my tongue a little bit because uh, the air is a little blue around here from the last ending part of the game. The Oilers got to the last TV timeout with one goal lead, and I'm thinking to myself, well, no guarantee they're going to hang on and win, but they should at least get another point out of this mm-hmm. road trip, come home with at least two points and uh, yeah. have a shot at it, you know. And, and it wasn't like a minute later. Like it was 5.55, they went to the TV timeout, and by 4.58, the Oilers were behind by a goal. And with two absolutely brutal defensive coverage problems. And, uh, I mean, so. anyway, it was uh, it was a, a rough night at the office. They left a lot of energy out there, a lot of ice time on, uh, uh, on some of the players, and... Uh, Unfortunately, nothing to show for it, not a point even to show for that game. And two points for the, their opponent that they're chasing in the standings and probably two lost points to LA Kings are leading uh, by a 3 nothing margin early in their game. And only a loss by Vegas sort of at least means they didn't lose ground to Vegas, but they could have distanced two more points on Vegas tonight if they knew how to close out a damn hockey game. And they showed really that they had no clue how to do that which is my bad thing this mm-hmm. is the two good things Go two it. bad things and two numbers podcast and i'll start off with my bad thing which is as well. the collapse at the end of the game mm-hmm. how does that happen bruce i mean we know how it happens nhl players are really fast and really good and mm-hmm. they punish you quickly for the slightest mistakes you make the slightest errors in judgment that you make but in that final five, ten minutes, you know, you'd think that there's, you just play it super cautiously. And um, you take care not to make mistakes. And I didn't, you know, the, the two goals that, that occurred, one with five, at the 522 mark left in the game, the other one, uh, 458, I believe. Um in succession they were just terrible goals against um i don't know i don't know what happened there was there was four players back um as dallas was rushing in 
on their to get the tying goal. Four mm-hmm. Oilers back. And they gave but up a break. Three of them, Bruce, were flat footed at the yeah. blue line. CC was backing up to cover his man who had mm-hmm. the puck and then passed it off. Everyone else was flat footed. And I'll deal with two of them, Yamamoto and Shore. Yamamoto had a tough play to make. He was kind of caught going one way and went the other. But I don't know what Shore was doing. He he could if he was just moving his feet, if he was just moving defensively, you know, playing it cautiously. I don't know. Maybe they're instructed you got to stand up at the blue line um, more than anything else. But how about playing it cautiously because? He just got turnstiled as, um, I think, was it Hints, Rupee Hints? Rupee Hints, yeah. Uh, went, went past him um, and, um, you know, it ended up with a breakaway goal, breakaway chance. There's four guys at the blue line, four guys back, and you give up a breakaway from that moment on. How the hell does that happen? <laughs> and then the next goal against um, CC turns it over in the neutral zone. It's kind of a weird play. Trying to chip it up the boards and and they rush in on a two on one, make the pass over. And Connor McDavid's a little slow on the back check. And this is one of the I have always I always wonder about this. He really McDavid initially recognized there was trouble here and he hustled yeah. hard to get back. Mm-hmm. But just as he was about to cover the guy who was going to score the goal, he stopped skating. Yeah. And this is very this is very common. And 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 it might be they're they're afraid that guy's going to turn and they'll, they'll lose lose him maybe or they're going to run into him or because you see this again and again and again it's it's not a it's it's not a bug it's a feature of hockey where players will stop so they must be thinking they're going to hit the guy or they're getting too close to go that fast so they they stop and they start to cruise just as they're about to close on him to take him out of the play and. Um, it's an interesting because I, I, you see I, you see it again and again and again and again, and I'm, I'm sure all hockey players do it all the time. But I don't know well, why. Not all, not all, but not all. Maybe McDavid, yeah, maybe they, there he had to just keep his feet moving and go hard for uh, the stick of Denis Gurianov, which he recognized, and he just missed lifting his stick at the end. But if he'd taken two strides where he stopped to glide and watch the puck, he's got him, you know. Yeah. Tell me what, Connor, you want to be Sidney Crosby? Keep your feet moving and get the guy's stick because, you know, it's a 200-foot game out there. Well, maybe that's the difference between the Selkie Award winner, Selkie Award winning defensive forwards, and right now Connor McDavid and and other Oiler forwards because there's not any Oiler forwards who I see or who are outstanding on defense right now, Um, uh, including McDavid and Dreisaitl. I don't see either of them. Like, they have their moments. But then they have both of them have moments like these, and I just I just think why, because you're so close to being at that level of player, of that true two way player who's outstanding, and it's just moments like that that hold both of them back from reaching that next level of excellence as a as a hockey player as hockey players, and it costs them games. It costs the Edmonton Oilers games. Um, it cost them this game. I mean. It cost them this game. It was one of the things. One of the yeah. things, not the yes. only thing. It was well, one of, of the things. It was one of contributing factor on the on the game losing goal against. Or now there's another uh, game winning goal. Yeah, there's another uh, Oilers star player, Bruce, who um, you are going to mention here, and he was culpable on these last two goals against. But not only that, I, I got to go. <laughs> Deal with the dryer here because it's the beeper's going off and people might hear that. But I'll let you uh, 
I'll let you start to clear your <coughs> clear the air about Darnell Nurse. Yeah, my bad thing tonight is Darnell Nurse, uh, Oilers number one defenseman, who had a pretty miserable time of it out there tonight. And uh, how miserable was uh, uh, he made significant defensive errors on the first, third, and fourth Dallas goals. And he was sitting in the penalty box uh, for a marginal but totally unnecessary penalty for the second Dallas goal. So Nurse was, in one way or another, uh, part of the problem on the first four Dallas goals, which basically they won that game four to three. And you just need a lot better defense from your, uh, uh, from well, all your defensemen. You know, that game would be unacceptable from a number six defenseman, let alone a number one. Uh, but Darnell was just, uh, his, he was in the wrong spot. Or he, or his, I don't know what he was doing that, uh, uh, not reading and reacting and, and doing his, you know, defensive coverage thing. Uh, and he's, he's got this bad habit that seems to be getting worse. Uh, when he gets into trouble in the defensive zone, he tries to drop down to one knee or drop all the way down to the ice to try and take away space. And anytime Darnell is down, the orders are in trouble because now he's rooted. His his biggest strength is his feet and his legs and his skating ability, his mobility and his yeah. reach and his ability to cover a lot of space. Well, guess what? When you're down on the ice, if you got one knee pinned to the ice, you're not going anywhere. Your stick can only reach so far. And on the first goal, he dropped down one knee outside of the shooting lane. He reached in with his stick to try and block the shot. And as I saw it, he got a piece of the shot, and that's what fooled Koskinen. The live angle view, I thought it went off the shaft of Darnell's stick and through. But either way, he wasn't in the shooting lane, and he wasn't defending the shot because he was down on one knee. He wasn't, like, given any kind of contest to the, to the guy letting the shot go. So there was that. Then there was the second goal where he was in the box for just stepping up and giving a guy a light cross check. I mean, it was a cheap penalty. That's terrible it. penalty. This, this, the, the call, Jesse Pugliarvi had been dropped on his head in the far corner about 10 seconds before that, which was fine. And then Darnell got called for that. But the fact is he didn't need to do it. He did it. The ref called him and off he went. And he was in the box for what, what eight seconds? It seemed like it was in the net. Uh, 16 seconds. Well, there you go. It just went straight from the face off to a goal for Dallas. And then with the orders leading three to two late in the third period on this uh, three on four rush, and CC is in position on the right side backing in. There's two forwards that somehow are both in the center to the left side of the ice. So Nurse, the left defenseman, decides he can abandon his post and come over to the right side to support CC. And of course, one quick pass later, the puck's on Nurse's side of the ice and there's two forwards left to cover. And you'd like to think that one of the two might be able to make the play, but they couldn't. And when Gurianov burst through, well, guess what? No, no, it wasn't Gurianov. Sorry, that was Hintz. That was no, Hintz, yeah. No left defenseman. So he's in alone on goal, bam, in the net. So the orders change off most of their lines, but they, they leave out CC and Nurse uh for the next face off and then uh, cc gets the puck in the neutral zone he can't get the puck deep and all of a sudden there's a two-on-one going the other way with mcdavid trying to catch up and nurses the man back and he's in pretty good position until he basically corkscrews himself right into the ice takes himself out of the shooting lane the guy just holds the puck for an extra half second slides it across tap in 
a nurse is a pretzel in the middle of the ice. I mean, what is that? This, you know, that was just an absolutely miserable game from the Oilers' top defenseman. And it cost them, I mean, flat out cost them the game. When you add up all those mistakes on all of the Dallas goals that mattered, I mean, that's just, it's not good enough. Fans here used to criticize Russell for the starfish. We haven't mm-hmm. seen Russell as much do that as of late. In fact, Russell tonight was very active on the attack mm-hmm. uh, as an aside. But Bruce, you're, we have seen more and more of this from Nurse, him going down and getting caught. And it's it's not like when he goes down, he blocks the pass. When he goes down, he usually doesn't block it. I mean, it seems to be more of a problem than it's assisting him to the point where some, like they, they should say, like, is this working? Maybe, I yeah. agree with you. His Keep his best feet. strength is using his fast feet and long reach, long stick to get to the puck to, and stay on your feet and go for the puck that way. You'll, I think he'll, he will have more success. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, we're not NHL hockey expert coaches, skill coaches or defensive tacticians, but just from observation, I don't remember him going down in the past so much. And I don't remember him making so many of these kinds of mistakes in the past. So he's, he's, he's doing this, he's using this tactic more and it seems to me it's failing quite often. So um, maybe it's time to put together a little video package of all the successful plays that he makes when he stays on his feet and say, hey, do this, Darnell. And then just slide in one of their of last night's goal as well right at the, right at the end. To, and well, that's uh, the Jay Woodcroft way, four good things, one bad thing. But he's going to have to find about 12 good things to show Darnell to, to, to uh, slide in the replays of those, those major mistakes tonight. Sorry, David. <laughs> 30. 30. Like you snort your... Uh, 30 good things. They're going to have to spend like an hour looking at all the good things he did the last year and then watch the highlights from last night's game. Well, shots on net with Nurse on the ice in 17 minutes of five on five was five for the orders and 15 for the stars. Yeah. And, and he just, yeah, he just was struggling. He was struggling. He was struggling. And it's not like CeCe's particularly struggling. Like he's, he, he I mean, tonight. he, he did. He did make the turnover Especially tonight on that last goal, but uh, yeah, time for Darnell Nurse to crank it up, and this means, uh, you know, he seems physically okay. He seems like he's ready to go. He just needs to make better reads. He needs to to uh, crank that aspect of his game. We know that he works a lot hard as, as mm-hmm. a student of the game, studying the game. He did that with Jim Playfair last summer. He goes o- over every single game. Uh, like he, they do 10 games at a time with play fair and they go through it. Like he, this guy is a serious hockey guy as they come. So he's going to, he's going to get on this and he will correct it. And to be fair to nurse, according to the way we rate the game in terms of the way I rate the game in terms of scoring chances, major contributions for, and major mistakes against he's almost, he's almost exactly where he was last year is the truth. And last year I thought he had a pretty good year. Like, you know, I don't think he's having a bad year. He's having a pretty good year. But he is in a he he started out a lot stronger than he's finishing. He's been in an extended defensive slump for about two months now, where um, his numbers just keep getting worse and worse and worse, and including in terms of grade A shots. Tonight's not going to help any, and um, he's got to reverse this trend and start to play down the stretch like the number one defenseman that he looked like at the start of the year. He does. 
mm-hmm. if he doesn't do it, and then if he doesn't do it in the playoffs, this team is not going anywhere because they're counting on Darnell Nurse. Yeah. I mean, they didn't count on him so much tonight, did they? Because they only played him about 21 minutes um, <sighs> as opposed to 24, 25. So that's a bit of a message there perhaps as well from the coach. Uh, maybe that speaks louder than any video review you're going to do. All right, we started with the bad things because I think that was appropriate tonight. But there was there was some good things, Bruce. There was mm-hmm. some good things. And I'm going to start, I'll start it off. I thought um, it looks like, I'm probably jumping the gun here, but it looks like right now for the first time since the start of the season, maybe the Oilers have two healthy goalies who might who are ready to play some good games. Smith had a, had a good game, a decent game, at least a good game against um, the Colorado Avalanche last night. And Mikko Koskinen, aside from one, <laughs> there's always one goal a game, it seems like, with Mikko Koskinen. Or there's often one goal a game with Mikko Koskinen where he just, you just think, what the heck happened there? But other than that, he was really strong tonight. I mean, he, Jack Michaels and Louis DeBrusque remarked on it. Um, the number of saves that he made in the second period after letting in that goal, he made uh, the the um, the Dallas Stars had five grade A shots the rest of that period. In the final 10 minutes of that period, they had five grade A shots, Bruce. Every single one of them was a five alarm shot, according oh. to our our assessment, every single one of them had a 33% plus chance of going in. These are the hardest shots to stop in the NHL. And he saved every single one of them. You, you'd expect probably, well, he let in the one goal. The goal he let in turned out to be a five alarm shot because he made it that with his bad rebound control. But um, six uh, five alarm shots. He should have let in two goals. He just let in one. He kept the Oilers in the game after his mistake. Now, the mistake was bad. You know, he goes to stop it with his blocker, and it bounced off his <clears> blocker <throat> in a weird way. Instead of directing it where it should have gone into the corner, he it, it bounced off awkwardly back the other direction uh, to Joe Pavelski, and he people. scored in, of all people. Just like, what was the other one where he passed it to right? He passed it to some, some sniper the other game. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Right on that? Remember that? Yeah. Who did he pass that to? Yeah. Oh, Kubelik. In Chicago, so, yeah. yeah. so, okay. So, you get, of course, it's the power play. There is going to be a sniper and a good scorer in front of the net, and and uh, he scored. But I thought Miko Koskinen looked good, and he played well tonight. And so did Mike Smith um, the other night. So, the, again, for things to turn out for the Oilers, they have a lot. The Edmonton Oilers have a lot going for them as a team. They really do. They have an outstanding group of forwards who, when they put their mind to it, are brilliant on the attack and pretty good on defense. They're going to have to ramp it up on defense, all of them. From the top of the roster to the bottom of the roster, they're going to have to ramp it up on defense to to improve. But they can do that. They've shown they can do that, and they're doing it. But they need the goalies to come through. And I thought both goalies are looking good just now. Hopefully they can stay healthy. Yeah, hopefully they can stay healthy. And, I mean, they, they're going to need to, with the way the schedule is, you know, this week, four games in six days. Well, they've got two goalies, and they're playing two games each with two days off between games. That's, you know, that's sort of normal work rate for those guys. But as soon as you start counting on one guy to be playing three, let alone all four of those games on an ongoing basis, then you're asking for trouble. And this is really the first time all year that they've got the two guys where they actually both look healthy. Yeah. 
and roll and maybe let well it's a little early with smith let's see but you know fingers crossed healthier. here healthier with smith and roll mm. rolling some rolling rolling gi rolling somewhat what's your good thing bruce well, I like the way the Oilers started this game. I thought they had a very strong first period. Uh, I thought Ottinger, Jake Ottinger, and the Dallas Net made a couple of really fantastic saves uh, to hold Dallas in the game. In fact, you know, Edmonton led one nothing through uh, 26 minutes, I guess it was, and they had uh, uh, five what what we call grade A chances. But again, there was a uh, 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 five alarm chances, several of them. And Ottinger, you know, he robbed uh, Yamamoto on a one-timer. He robbed, uh, pulled Yarvey on a one-timer on a, on a nice three-way passing play. That was, uh, I mean, pass right across, hard across the slot, and pulled Yarvey slammed it in the short side, it looked like, and Ottinger read it and got over there. And uh, Edmonton was, uh, I thought, by some margin, the better team, and then Dallas got the tying goal, and all of a sudden, Edmonton sort of the rest of the second period were reeling, and it was uh, uh, it was two one uh, uh, Dallas at the end of the second, and then it got the course the the other I guess good thing was the quick, fast, uh, shorthanded goal followed quickly by the goal right at the end of the penalty that converted that deficit into a one goal lead and put Edmonton into the winning position that they ultimately couldn't hold. But there was good stretches in there, and there was some good hockey in there, but there wasn't any kind of sustain. It wasn't 60 minutes of good hockey. So, and that's what you need to play to beat other contending teams, especially in their barn. It's very disappointing to come out of the strip of one point. The games are so tight, eh? Like all these games. They're yep. all tough hockey games in the NHL now. Um. <laughs> So let's go to our numbers, Bruce. My number is uh, 10 points in seven games. This is Cutter Yamamoto's scoring. So he, this is essentially, I think, coincides with him being put on the top line with Connor McDavid and Evander Kane. It is a fantastic hockey line. Um, I didn't look up their uh, their numbers. Maybe I will uh, in a second here as a line. But they're really starting to get it going. And... Um, Yamamoto at times, like there is a competition right now. We've mentioned this before for a new contract. The orders have a limited amount of money to give out, especially if they if they can't figure out a way to dump some contracts that aren't working out um, this summer. So they have Pugliar, Kane, and Yamamoto. These are three wingers you'd want to keep at this point. I mean, Evander Kane's play is outstanding. His physical presence, his toughness, um, his goal scoring. Man, he's he's winning over uh, in terms of his on ice play. Oiler Oiler fan after Oiler fan. It's hard not to like, not to like what he brings. But so is Kadri Yamamoto, and um, his goal was kind of a sneaky one. I mean, you can watch that replay, replay the different angles and different replays many times, and it's hard to see him actually touch the puck, but he does. Doesn't take and- much. Was- like the, like the nurse deflection on the first Dallas yeah. goal. It only changed direction of the puck a little bit, but it was a little bit between hitting the goalie somewhere in the pad and finding a hole. This this goal started with, uh, you know, Kane winning the puck behind the net with a really hard play, hard hockey play. And then McDavid giving the old uh, low-high dart he, he over to, to Bouchard at the point. And Evan Bouchard does what he does, which is just fire that puck. 
I I I I, I, I want to see him shoot more. And um, he gets out on net, and Yamamoto tips it in. So um, he's this line is scoring. I think um, this is what the Oilers need. This is one of the things you need. You need an elite line, and. We're not yet seeing Drysaddle, Yamam, uh, Drysaddle, Puliyarvi, and Hyman connect um, as much, but I think that's a really good line as well. It's like the Oilers have two what other teams would classify as first lines. The Oilers have two first lines. Mm-hmm. Seems sure. to me, when you got, they've got two first lines. You can win a lot of hockey games. You should win a lot of hockey games when you have two first lines, and um, this this is why I'm bullish on the Oilers. So Yamamoto's stepping up and he's making a claim to be part of this team going forward into the future to get a new contract. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to have to figure out a way to sign at least two out of three of those players, Bruce. And uh, good luck doing that. But that's the that's the the challenge for the Oilers GM this summer. Yeah, he's got a tall order. He's got Ryan McLeod, who, you, you know, but he's I think that's a different contract to sign, yeah. but he's also coming up. So four uh, forwards, but certainly those uh, three wingers that are currently now all in the top six are uh, are huge priorities. And I'm not sure there's room for all three of them because of uh, uh, how other money has already been allocated. Yeah. What is your number? Uh, my number is zero for three. Uh, that's the sorry total from Edmonton's power play tonight. Uh, zero for five on the two-game road trip where every power play goal they might have scored would have been worth at least one standings point. Kind of stings to leave the, all of that on, on the cutting room floor. And tonight they had three opportunities on the power play, uh, one to build on their one nothing lead uh, late in the first. And I think they got, they got one chance, uh, uh, or early in the second, I guess, they got one chance on that power play and they couldn't, uh, they couldn't put it away. And then uh, a huge one down the stretch, leading 3-2 with eight minutes left. And a power play goal there makes it 4-2. And you'd like to think that's a pretty comfortable position. And again, they couldn't produce any dangerous shots, just one shot on net on that power play. Uh, None of them dangerous. And only four shots on the power play all night and only one uh, great A shot out of that, and uh, zero goals, and not good enough power play. You got some some mighty fine high price talent on there. Well, uh, part of that price is being paid for production, not just pretty passes around the perimeter. But uh, and you know they got to beat good NHL penalty killing teams. It's not easy, of course, and you're not just going to throw your sticks on the ice and score every time. But they got to bear down and figure out something that works. Because there's too much goal-scoring talent on there to go all for on, uh, you know, an entire road trip, as has happened in this case. And, you know, it hurts. All these one-goal games, power play goals are huge, huge. Um, so that's kind of snuck in my second bad thing But uh, with, that, uh, with that little number. But the key words there are O for, O for power play. What would you do, Bruce, to fix that power play? Uh, we, if yeah, you have one suggestion. Not a tactician. Uh, yeah, well, the, the main out of the six minutes that they didn't score tonight, they had 5-0-1 each for uh, 
uh, for the main group. And maybe they need to uh, do a little bit of more personnel shuffling. I, I, you know, I really don't know that, but minute and 40 seconds per power play for the first unit and and nothing to show for it. Uh, I don't think it's a motivational thing. I don't know what the heck it is, but the execution just isn't there. And when they do get a chance, they're not making the shot. What if you uh, put Evan Bouchard on the left half wall where he could shoot from there? So you have Drysaddle on the one side, on the right, mm-hmm. and you have Bouchard on the left, and Barry setting them up. And then you have Kane in the middle and, and McDavid roaming around. Um, right. I wouldn't mind seeing a real shooter in that spot. I mean, I think I would rather have Bouchard than Barry out there. I, mm-hmm. I, and this isn't even a necessarily criticism of Tyson Barry. He's a really good player. He sets them up. He makes good passes. But Bouchard has the ability to more... Quick, quickly and accurately get off a shot than Tyson Berry on net. So I would be, I would either get Evan Bouchard out there with Barry, or I'd get both of them out there um, with Bouchard, setting Bouchard up for that one timer on the um, on the half wall. I mean, the threat of Drysdale on one side and Bouchard on the on the other, I would like to see that. I think that would be. <laughs> That would be very scary because not only can both of those guys shoot, Bouchard can really pass this and Dreisaitl, they both are excellent passers of the puck. So they could, they can be setting each other up cross seam sometimes. So I guess Nuge will be back. So they, they probably won't try that, but I've always wondered what it would be like to have Bouchard in that spot firing away. Um, see if that would work. Well, he has two power play goals all year, Bouchard, and they both came in the same period of the same game. They get, when they first put him on the power play, he got two against Calgary that one game. And if I'm not mistaken, those were no. He got one goal again two days later than that, January 27th, and he's now gone 24 games without a goal. So he, you know, he's got a find that great shot of his that we all know he has. I've been confidently predicting he'd be a double-digit goal scorer uh, for years to come. He, he's been stuck on nine for a while. I'm kind of getting impatient for that double-digit. I mean, He almost uh, got he, that he one did tonight, have, He but... did have a good shot tonight that Yamamoto tipped in. Of course, that's just as good. You know, obviously, you want shots that get through that can be tipped by teammates. So, uh, count just as much. But uh, uh, his... Uh, his weapon is, um, yeah, it just doesn't seem to be fine. You know, I mean, he's gotten lots of shots, so he must be like over for 50 shots or something by now because uh, he is overdue. But um, him on the power play is one option and maybe just uh, uh, mixing up the, uh, uh, the personnel a bit more and, and, and changing the ice time. The thing is, the first unit's got so much more talent than the second. So I guess maybe the my other solution is bring back Ryan Nugent Hopkins from the injury list and put him back out there. And I think that might be happening as soon as next game. I think so too. And, and that'll help. I mean, he's, he's fantastic. That said, he hadn't scored on the power play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So again, I, I Sis, wouldn't mind. Sis galore, but no goals. Like, I don't know if you could have McDavid at the top running the power play or Nugent Hopkins at the top running the power play instead of a defenseman. But I would like to see Bouchard in that shooter spot. Um, 
I like to see shooters in the shooter spots. Now, Nuge does a great job there, so uh, I'm not going to complain too much. But just something they could try out and have that in, in your pocket. Maybe next season, of course, when, when they got the whole season to play with, they could they could go with that. But All right, Bruce, so they play Thursday night in Edmonton against San, San Jose. Jose Sharks. And then they go down to Calgary play the flames on uh, on saturday night good 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 time for some revenge in calgary bruce yeah yeah well if if uh uh hopefully what will happen with tonight's game will piss them off and they'll you know take some motivation from it and say we're better than that and we're going to play better than that but yeah then that's not some kind of turning point that oh we got a five game winning streak time for another lull for a while because there's no time for lulls time to crank it up yeah you know the funny thing about uh sutter and calgary is mm-hmm. uh when a coach is winning he he daryl sutter is as a genuinely interesting person right he, he is a funny person he says interesting things he does. he's a curmudgeon and he he is <laughs> when but when you're winning mm-hmm. everything you say is held up as a nugget of genius you know, yeah. like this, this wonderful nugget from this mm-hmm. uh, semi-articulate person. Wise like, old man. Yeah, wise old man. <laughs> when, you're wise, losing, when you're losing and the same thing happens, mm-hmm. you ever just thinks you're a dummy? Like, get rid of that bum. And Sutter's experienced both in his careers, in his career, right? His career is, is the accurate word. Like, he's been up and down as an NHL coach. He's been he's up had a his, lot, David. He has been up a lot, lot, Bruce. It is, that is true. Got to give him credit. He's he, he is a hell of a hockey coach. He really is. Uh, and I do get a kick out of what he says. But I do also know that there's kind of this halo around everything he says because of the Flames record right now. So, and of course, I hate the Calgary Flames. On your on your pyramid of hatred, Bruce, who's at the top and who's at the next rung? Like so, so for me at the very top, it, I'm I'm just trying to think if it's it's like the there's the Flames, mm-hmm. the Ducks, the Kings, the Stars, and the and the Maple Leafs, but I think it's at, at the top of my my personal period pyramid. It, it is probably wow. I don't know. Is it this? It could be this. It could be the Stars. Actually, I just hate them so much. <laughs> What about you? Well, this cheers me up. The Sharks came back in the third period with two goals in 28 seconds. Sound familiar to beat the Flames 4-3? to three. Same score other than the empty net goal. <laughs> two goals. Uh, what was it for us? Two goals in 24 seconds? All right. All the right. exact same thing happened to Calgary where they were in a winning position more than halfway through the third period. And then bam, bam. And they were in a losing position, and then they could not recover. Uh, so, I was hoping you would say Calgary, the King. Uh, Calgary is uh, atop my personal list for ancient historic reasons that uh, uh, are centered around 1986. But uh, for Bob. several years to either side of that. Yeah, Badger Bob, but also, you know... Uh, uh, seven Gary things. Suter, seven... Neil Sheehy, Paul Baxter. Yeah. That throw a lot of. Remember his. Mike Burnett. Oh, God. Remember Badger Bob's seven secrets for beating the Oilers? Uh, yeah, I never did read it. I don't think I ever read the seven, but I do remember that one was to 
uh, forced the play to the left-hand side. And with that, he was absolutely right because the Oilers had four left-hand shooters that like to go from right wing into the middle of the ice to to make their shots. And Badger Bob figured out that important detail. When I was a young feature writer at the Journal, I went down to Calgary to do a profile of Badger Bob Johnson. And one of the sidebars was that I asked him what were like, this was a couple of years later, right? Right. A number. And uh, I did a sidebar on what those seven things were. And I can't remember what they were myself, but uh, you know, hold Gretzky's hockey stick, probably hold Messier's hockey stick, hold the trip Glenn Anderson. These are probably. Change the rules against four on four penalties because they're better at us than we are. So whine about the rules and get the league to change the four on four rules. I'm still bitter about that. Good. That happened in 1985. Immediately Good. next season, Calgary beat Edmonton in a seven-game series with lots of thuggery and, and coincidental minors that would have been four-on-fours. And <laughs> Alrighty. Bruce All Sal. the California teams are on my list, David. Dallas Stars are on my list. Of uh, teams that I yeah. really don't like. Las Vegas we have a similar list are moving up the list. Um, <laughs> we have a similar list. Our list is not, although you, you're, the Maple Leafs aren't on your list. They're just on my list. Yeah. They're not uh, really on my list. The Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens are kind of on my list, but it's more like I'm just annoyed by their fans when I go to the games and they're, I'm not, you know, their fans are, they strike me as obnoxious. They're not obnoxious, I'm sure. They're just whooping it up and having fun. But I hate it in, in Edmonton uh, when the visiting team's fans are so loud and boisterous. So that's the root of my antipathy towards those two teams, plus the constant attention to, to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, but um, that's not as they're, – they're, they are, that's kind of a lower level of – I could even find myself cheering for the Leafs. I'm sure, like if they were in the Cup final, I wouldn't mind if they won, probably. But these other teams, not a chance. Never for the Flames. I I didn't cheer for the Flames against Tampa. I was no, hoping they would lose, and I'm I was glad that they lost. Many people. Actually, have- I I rooted for the Flames to beat Vancouver that year. I really disliked that Vancouver team. Oh yeah, and they're also the, the, the Todd Bertuzzi uh, era. Yeah. Anyway, that team was on my list as as a. I have Matt Cook. Yeah. On it. Yaksa. Yeah. Yerku Rutu, that team. Anyway. <laughs> Calgary Games. Talk to you later, Bruce. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.